Hello and welcome back to the TTP, to Tani Talks Parsha, this year where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep. We are talking the idea of the Parsha that we are in, in Chukas, talking about the idea of some things that are beyond our understanding, some things that are beyond our control, some things that are beyond our comprehension, things we don't really understand, things we don't really know why they happen or how they happen or how they go about because it's not up to us. It's up to Hashem. We think about how the Parsha starts. We think about how the Parsha is introduced to us. Zos chukas HaTorah. However it usually goes about. But in general, we talk about the idea of a, a chok. A chok is something that is really beyond comprehension, that is really beyond our understanding. And the, the prime example, the quintessential example is that, of course, of para aduma. Para aduma is that red cow, that red heifer that is used to purify someone who's not pure and it actually impurifies someone that is pure, which is very contra-intuitive. It's not what we would think. It's not how we would go about things in life. It's not how we would try to comprehend things in life. There are things in the Torah that are beyond our comprehension. Another example is something like shotness. It's, at least in my understanding, and for many different people, it's not very much understandable why we can't do shotness. What's wrong with shotness? Why can't you have wool and linen together? And isn't it interesting how the mitzvah tzitzis actually has wool and linen together? You have the strings and you have the the garment and they could be both of them, but we're not allowed to mix them together. Kalayim, we're not allowed to mix plants together. And we're not allowed to have an ox and a different type of an animal together, although sometimes there is an example because we don't want to do undue hardship on one animal versus the other animal. It might be more work for one animal. We don't want to do tsar balechaim. We have to have the proper respect for animals and the proper ability to care for animals and not cause them undue pain. That's the idea of shechita itself, that you have to have a perfectly perfect knife, for lack of a better term, a perfectly sharp knife and smooth knife, actually, so that the least pain is inflicted on the animal possible, that they have instant death for the animal, and we try to go about things as the most humane ways as possible in our lives. But when it comes to a chok, when Hashem tells Moshe, Zos chukas Torah, you know, this is the chok, this is the law, this is something that's beyond your understanding. Sometimes we have to take it at face value. We may not understand things involved. We might not know things involved. And, and we might not have a depiction in our lives of why something happens, but we just have to understand that Hashem knows, Hashem guides, and Hashem decides. And this is, of course... When things happen in life that are way beyond our comprehension, we we can't ask the why. We don't know the why. On a personal level, why do we lose people in our lives? My dad passed when I was a child of only nine. My brother passed when I was only a, only a young adult of 20. Two major, major life figures in my own life. We can't ask the why. We don't know the why. Hashem decided. Hashem gives. Hashem takes. It's all up to Hashem. And even in Eov, you know, the, the book of the major tribulations that Eov went through, some people say it wasn't a real person. It was an allegory. Some people say it lived. he was a person who lived in Moshe's time. He was one of the advisors to Paro. He went through a lot, a lot of afflictions, and he had his friends trying to console him. And then you have... 
this story, which is difficult to understand also, and things that happen in life oftentimes are very difficult to understand, but sometimes things are beyond our understanding. And things in life that happen, in the world that happen, are oftentimes beyond our understanding. We know that the Pasuk says, Hashem Natan Hashem Lakach Hashem Mevarach. I can't remember right now where it comes from. I, I kind of feel like it comes from David Melch. You know, David Melch lost a child also after the Batsheva episode before he had Shlomo. And for those seven days that the child was sick, David was fasting and praying and involved in tshuva. Once the child passed and he heard that the child passed, he got up, he showered, he changed, and he ate. And the servants are like, the whole week... You are not eating. You are not being involved in anything. You didn't bathe. Now that the child is no longer with us, now you're bathing? And David responded the whole week. I thought I could change the decree. I thought I could effect a, a change. I thought Hashem would listen to my prayers. And now that I see that he didn't listen and the child is no longer with us, I need to get up and serve Hashem in a different way. Oftentimes in life, we don't understand things. It's beyond our comprehension, beyond our understanding. You think of the... Terrible times in history, all the way back in Mitzrayim, and even before that, you think about the Inquisition and the Crusades, terrible times in history, the massacres throughout history, and of course the Holocaust with Yemach Shemo and other people, terrible, terrible people, all the terrorist attacks, and so many terrible things, accidents and plagues and wars and disease, so many terrible things that to us at face value seem beyond our comprehension, beyond our understanding. Why would Hashem do such a thing? Hashem is merciful, Hashem is kind, Hashem is good and the real answer is that there is no answer it is beyond our understanding it is a chok in a way but Hashem decides what Hashem decrees we have to have the simple emunah the simple bitachon that we don't have the answers, we don't know, we don't understand. That's what we learn about the idea of the chalk itself from the paraduma. We can't understand, we can't know why such an occurrence, why such a thing happens. Why does one person become pure and one person becomes impure? How does that make any sense? Why is there an idea of shatnas and klayim? Why is there an idea of mitzvahs in the Torah that we don't really understand how they come about, why they go about, and how it connects to our relationship to Hashem, some things, oftentimes, many things in life, many different mitzvahs, many different things that Hashem decides and Hashem decrees, we don't understand, and that's okay, and that's important to remember that it is okay. It's important to understand that it is more than okay. That's the way it works. That's the way of the world. We can't understand really how Hashem made the world, how Hashem set up the world, how Hashem goes about His business, how we're supposed to even think about thinking how he goes about and decrees different things. Interestingly, in this Parsha also, and the previous Parsha, there's a lot, a lot of death mentioned. We should only know from good things. We should all be zocha to 120 years of only good things in Korach. Korach and his assembly were punished, rightfully so, in last week's Parsha. And then many people died in a machla. Many people died in a plague. Lots and lots of people. And people might say, why did this happen? Why did this occur? Even though there's an impetus that they complain and they didn't understand the justification and Aaron had to stand between the living and the dead with a katoris and people might say how is it possible which is an, a secret that Moshe Rabbeinu learned from the angel of death from the Malachamavis and in this parsha also there's a lot of death the two major figures are lost in this parsha you know, the Torah fast-forwards from Bamidbar from the second year when the decree of the Meraglim happened and then all the way to the end when Miriam and 
Aaron are lost and pass away and Eleazar comes in his stead and then eventually of course Moshe himself is also lost I believe that we fast forward the 40 years in in the book of Bamidbar and and it's interesting to think why there's only certain stories highlighted you know they were in the desert for 40 years there probably were very many stories that could have brought been brought about but obviously Hashem chose the stories that would teach future generations that would guide future generations because obviously the Torah is not a history book obviously the Torah is not just a book of stories if it was there would be a lot more stories included I'm sure throughout the 40 years of their sojourns in the desert but there are different lessons that are involved there are different things that Hashem wants to point out to us. And we think about things beyond our understanding. We think about things that we don't really comprehend. It was a major loss for the Jewish people to lose Miriam. In her merit, there was the water and there, the loss of the of the of Aaron, who was the great peacemaker. Perkelos talks about how we're supposed to be an Ohev Shalom, a Rodev Shalom, to be like the Talmidim of Aharon, to be like the Talmidim of Hillel also. Hillel himself was a great peacemaker. Hillel himself took the converts and tried to avoid conflict and would always quote his opposing party first from the Beit Shammai throughout the Talmud. And we're supposed to be those people giving peace. So these great leaders were lost, and Benesur probably felt lost as well. And in Aaron's merit, I believe the clouds were there, the Anane HaKavod. Three things happened in the desert, the Man and the Ananim and the, and the water. I believe that the water was for Miriam in the Zechus that she watched over her brother way back in the day. And I believe the Ananim for protection was there, I think, in Aaron's merit, because he was a great peacemaker, protecting relationships, protecting families. And in Moshe's merit, the Man, because he was the leader, and he made sure that they had their, their sustenance, their physical sustenance and their spiritual sustenance. I could be wrong, but I believe that's the reasons. So two major leaders were lost in the Midbar at that time of this Parsha, in the Chukas, Miriam and Aharon, both very close to one another. And literally, Aaron is brought up to the mountain by his brother. I've, I am sure that they were best friends, they were co-leaders in some way, Aaron being the Kohen Gadol and Moshe being like the Melech, being the Shofit, being the, the head ruler. They did so many things together. Hashem often spoke to them together. They took the Jews out of Mitzrayim together. Can you imagine the emotions, as a side note, that Moshe must have felt bringing up his brother, knowing that his brother is about to die? And he brings up his nephew, Elazar, to take over. On some level, it must have been kind of cathartic, kind of a nice transition for Aaron before his death, seconds before his death, where he, he, he dresses his son and to have the nachas and his last moments on earth to see Elazar dressed in the garments. The Pasuk describes how Elazar was, was dressed and then Aaron was taken by Hashem and, and Moshe wanted the same death from Aaron with this the kiss of Hashem, the neshikah, which was a painless, seamless death, almost like taking a hair from milk, the sages point out. But in general, there is a lot of, of death in the Parsha, and I don't want to be morbid and focus on negativity, but it's interesting and important to learn about these things. And in our own lives, through COVID times and other times, many, many people were lost. And the, the whole class, so the whole Jewish people were reeling from all the losses in our own town, losing Rabbi Kellimer, the great, great rabbi who was the spiritual leader and a role model and mentor in our town. Losing Rabbi Tversky and Rabbi Feinstein and Rabbi Sachs. Many different people lost and, and the whole world feels at a loss. Losing Rabbi Wallerstein very recently. People that are lost that Hashem takes back if Hashem decides. And we don't understand why people are taken. Whether it be a family member like my dad or my brother. Or whether it be a communal leader like a Rabbi Tversky or like 
Rabbi Sachs, we don't understand and we can't comprehend why are these people taken? Why are these people lost? Why are these people only given 44 years or 39 years? You think about the Ari, he was given, I believe, either 36 years or 39 years. And different people throughout history didn't have so many years on this earth. And we don't understand why. Why did Hashem only allow them to live X number of years? Wouldn't it have been better if they lived more than 23 years, if they lived more than 30 years, if they lived 120 years? Wouldn't they have accomplished so much more? Hashem always decides and Hashem decrees and it's not up to us. And there are many people that lose many, many people and many, many beings, even children that are lost within the first few weeks of pregnancy. People who experience low alenum miscarriage, people that experience low alenum, the, the, the stillborn and and people that lose different things and people that have early pregnancy losses, unfortunately, we ourselves know from such things personally, they these things happen and we don't understand why and it's difficult to comprehend why. And Chugas really teaches us that sometimes some things are beyond our comprehension, beyond our understanding. We don't know why. We don't understand why. We can't comprehend why. And that's the way Hashem makes it. Whether you lose a communal leader like Aaron or Miriam, or whether you lose a communal leader in our times, or someone close to home, a family member, or a friend, Lovalina, we should never know from such things. We should never experience things. We should always have good things and smachot, and Mashiach should come. But even on some small levels, why is it that the business deal didn't work out? Why is it that that house didn't come through? Why is it that that car didn't come through? Why is it that that relationship didn't work out? In hindsight, things can be twenty twenty. Wow. It took me 43 people till I found my wife, but I know in hindsight she's the right one for me. But each person along the way, it was difficult. Why didn't that work out? Why didn't that work? Of course, in hindsight, I'm like, of course it didn't work out. That's not who was supposed to be meant for me. That's not my best friend, my Azer Connecto, my marriage partner in my life. And in hindsight, it also took 34 houses till we found our modest little house here in Long Island our house that we've been in Baruch Hashem over five years, but it took eight months and 34 houses to find it, and it was really through a friend of a friend who happened to see it, and, and it was Hashkach Apprentice, because usually she's a commercial real estate dealer, but she saw this residential property, and she told it to us before anyone else got to it. We rushed in to see it, and lo and behold, Baruch Hashem, it went through. There was actually a different house that we were going to get beforehand, and we were very excited about it, and the owner was a little bit of a schnook, a little bit of a crook, and he he was not really so nice, and he had told us that we would have it, and then he actually gave it to someone else for over the asking price, even though we already did an inspection, we already gave him the verbal commitment, really a schnook. He cheated us out of that house five years ago, but obviously that house wasn't meant for us. But sometimes when other houses don't work out, or relationships don't work out, or business deals don't work out, or a product that you really wanted on a small materialistic level, or spiritually, the Chavrusa didn't work out, the Yeshiva didn't work out, sometimes we don't know the reasons, but sometimes we do know the reasons. But even if we don't know the reasons, that's okay. Chukas teaches us that sometimes things are beyond our comprehension, beyond our understanding, beyond our ability to to see and to locate why something happens or why it doesn't happen. And in life, oftentimes in life, things, especially sadness, especially loss, we don't understand. It's beyond our comprehension. And the age-old question that Moshe Rabbeinu himself struggled with when he says to Hashem, I believe in Shmos, in, in Sefer Shmos, show me your ways. And Hashem says, Lo Adam 
Roa v'chai, again, I don't know the verbiage offhand, I am totally paraphrasing in the wrong way, but Hashem says in response, nobody could see my ways and live, nobody could see my face, k'v'yachal and live, so Hashem says, go on it rock and I'll cover my I'll cover your face with my hand metaphorically lahabda whatever that means very famous it's around the 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 fast day torah readings that that we see this and Moshe sees literally the whatever it means kaviachal the back of hashem the knot of his tefillin the back of his talus obviously hashem has no materialistic aspects no physical aspects really Moshe was only able to see some aspect of the way Hashem works. And they say, the commentators point out, Moshe wanted to know, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? And why do good things happen to bad people? The very, very old question, these why is it that it's Sadiq for Rallo and Russia Vitovlo? Why are good things happening to a Russia, to a bad person, or why are bad things happening to good people? This guy is such a nice guy, but he cannot make it. Deal after deal collapses. Tragedy after tragedy occurs. His water heater broke and his his AC broke and the pipes broke and this kid can't get into school and this kid can't get into Shidduch. But we should never know from such things. But in general, we see this time and time again, and oftentimes we don't have the answer. Some commentators, some people might say they'll have the reward in the next world, and you don't see the reward, and maybe they're dealing with things in life, and hidden ways will be. But in the end, a lot of times it's just beyond our understanding. It's beyond our comprehension. We don't know why the wicked prosper. We don't know why the righteous suffer. It is a question that even Moshe Rabbeinu, the greatest of all prophets, the greatest leader of all time, struggled with. And he didn't have the answers. And Shlomo HaMelech and Mishle and Kohelis talks about many different things that we don't understand, we don't know. And even Shlomo HaMelech, who was one of the wisest of all men, couldn't see some of the mitzvahs, like not taking too many wives, and Hashem testifies in the Navi that they sort of turned his heart, whatever that means, and he took too many horses, had to go back to Mitzrayim, different things that Hashem said, because sometimes we might think we know, but we really don't know. We might think we understand, but we really don't understand. We might think, and we might comprehend, and we might try to grasp what's going on, but oftentimes in life, most times in life, it is beyond our comprehension is beyond our thinking and beyond our going about things. So when it comes to things in our life that seem to be beyond what we're thinking, beyond what we could do, and even recent examples, you know, mandates in effect throughout the country and the mandates in the city, so many workers who just wanted to stand their ground or just wanted to have a choice to have the legal right, the constitutional right to decide what they wanted to do, but were forced to lose their jobs. It doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. What is going on? Why is Hashem allowing this? Sometimes it's beyond our comprehension. It's beyond our understanding. People being kicked out of homes, being ke- people being kicked out of jobs, being, people being kicked out of things and losing things left and right. Why does Hashem allow this? The question comes. And we get very angry. We get very upset at Hashem. But we forget that Hashem does so much for us. We forget that Hashem is controlling the strings. And Hashem understands. Hashem knows. We could question. We could talk to Hashem. But we can't 
think that we'll really understand. We can't think that we'll get an answer. You know, Hashem wants a relationship with us. Just like you get angry at a parent, you get angry at a dad, you get angry at a mom, or you get angry at a child or a friend. Hashem is the best friend. Hashem is the best parent. So oftentimes, even if I'm frustrated in life, sometimes I might look crazy. Sometimes I talk out loud and say, Hashem, why is this happening? Why are you doing this? Why are you making this so many stress or so many stimuli, so many things? I can't get anything right today. Everything is going wrong. Why are you doing this, Hashem? We won't have the answers. We won't have the understanding. We won't have the comprehension. But it's okay to be upset, to talk to Hashem. It's okay to... to to verbalize what you're feeling to Hashem. The Gemara says that if you go 40 days without some sort of Yisurin, you should be worried. You should be concerned because maybe Hashem is not talking to you. Hashem tests those that He loves. Hashem sends things to those that He loves. So if you have a Yisurin, then understand it's because Hashem loves you and we don't ask for Yisurin, we don't want Yisurin, we don't want tests, we don't want trials, we don't want tribulations. We actually say in the prayers, Lo we don't want any bad illnesses or bad yusurin. A yusurin could be something simple. We want simple yusurins, easy yusurin, like taking out a dime instead of taking out a quarter out of your pocket or taking out a dollar bill instead of taking out a $5 bill in your pocket. Understand that Hashem loves us. Hashem wants to have a relationship with us. Hashem controls things and Hashem makes things happen in life. And many times, oftentimes, most times, it's beyond our understanding, it's beyond our comprehension. That's what Chukas teaches us. Zos Chukas Torah. This is a law. This is something that is a decree from Hashem. We don't understand. I'm taking Aaron at this time, Hashem says. I'm taking Miriam at this time. I'm making it happen that there's a plague. They didn't listen to me. For some reason, these people can't make it. There's a decree that the Miraglim will be 40 years, a day for a year. He could have made it five minutes. He could have made it... Whatever amount of time, these are decrees, these are things that Hashem put into mind. So do what we can to control and to understand what we can. I understand why this didn't work out, I understand why this didn't, but many things in life that we don't understand, it's okay. And it's necessary to realize that things are beyond our understanding, things are beyond our comprehension, things are beyond our control, and we have to be okay with that understanding. Even though we don't know why the righteous suffer and the wicked prosper, the age-old question, Hashem is in control. Have the emun and bitachon to know that Hashem does things for the best, we might not always see why, we might not always understand why, but Hashem is in control. Hashem is pulling the strings and Hashem wants what's best for us and will do what's best for us every day of our entire lives. If we are Zoha to try to think about this, try to internalize this, maybe there could be more peace in the world, more understanding in the world, more harmony in the world. Maybe we'd finally be Zoha for Mashiach to come and for the base of Mikdash to be speedily built again in our days and may that day in fact be today. This has been the TTP Tani Talks Parsha, where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep. And I'm your host, Tani.